Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hey everybody, this is Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast uh, where we talk about the Bible and we drink about it. And sometimes sometimes we drink alcohol, sometimes we drink herbal tea because tis the season. My name is Justin. I am your co- one of your co-hosts. I was a pastor for many years and then my beliefs shifted and I decided that women and queer folks were people and they deserve to do what they want with their bodies and affections. And that was, that's frowned upon apparently. And then it just kind of all unraveled from there. And so now I have a podcast where we, you know, make fun of the Bible and drink about it. And it's therapeutic for everyone. I'm glad you're here. I have a co-host and she's going to introduce herself. Oops. When I can hit the unmute button. Hi, what, I'm Tori. I was vamping for a second there. <laughs> Oops. Hi. Yeah. I'm Tori. Also a former evangelical now, no longer a church person, but very much find a lot of enjoyment going back through the Bible and looking at all the very, very weird things that they taught us in Sunday school and in youth group and in adult church too, because I was in that as well because mm-hmm. I stayed in for a long time. So I think the, you go over the, kind of the cooler stories in the Bible through, you know, Sunday school and youth group, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's basically like Philippians on repeat uh, when you get to adult church, I think. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) We don't know what to do with these odd stories. So (laughs) here's a bit of Paul that I can make about the thing I want to talk about. Yeah, man. Philippians is definitely one of the more marked up books in my Bible for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a greatest hit. Well, I think we, we might do a full <laughs> deconstruction of Philippians at some point. We're not doing that today, but that has crossed my mind just now that that would be kind of fun for we could do it. We could do a a series on Philippians. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of sermons and people that preach them, I, I, when this podcast airs, the story may be two weeks old. You know how it goes, folks. This is like <laughs> last week tonight in evangelicalism. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, we, I did want to talk a little bit about the, I don't, I don't know, it's not controversy. It's not a, it's not a dust up. It's just more of a people talking about um, something that Andy Stanley said at uh, one of his churches, one of his churches, like he has, he well, has there many. are multiple, he has many. <laughs> So Andy Stanley, for those of you that don't know, he's the lead pastor of, is it you know, North Point? The name's yeah, Northview, yeah, North Point, North Glen, Christ Point. Who cares? Uh, Andy North Stanley. Point Community Church. Yeah, which uh, doesn't Marjorie Taylor Green attend that yes. church? She is a cool. member in, in good standing at North Point. Makes God gross. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Anyway, b- big church in Atlanta, and so he he said some things about the LGBTQIA community, or as he would say, gay, I mean, men and women. Um, that's what he said. What? 
Yes. <laughs> he was okay. saying gay as like a shorthand, which I think is fine, but just like the way he clarified it was funny. I'm not going to read the full text of everything he said. I'll just summarize. There's, you could see it online. If you want to watch yeah. the whole sermon, I suppose you could do that. But <laughs> what he said in isolation, I don't think is actually bad. He essentially, mm-hmm. you know, admired the, you know, the the gay people that were that attend his church or attend church any church for their faith and and that you know that they they want to be with God they want to worship they want to commune with fellow believers so badly even at the risk of being ostracized even though they are not welcome in that space or fully welcome in that space and he even like and and rather than just even comment it he even pointed it at the straight folks in the audience he's like how many of you have faith like that I don't have faith like that you know, essentially saying I wouldn't show up where I wasn't welcome. And, and so in isolation, I don't think that that's a bad thing to say. And I think admiring folks faith, even in the midst of a community's faith, whatever marginalized community it is in the midst of, you know, a potentially dangerous exercise of their faith. Mm-hmm. That's commendable. So in a vacuum. Yeah. Where it gets complicated for me is that Andy Stanley is more or less in charge of setting the policies that make it difficult for queer people to attend his church. And so that's where it fall. The statement falls flat for me. And, and, you know, there have been, you know, more conservative Christians that were like, I don't know, don't admire gay people. It leads to sin. Or I don't know why they're mad at him, but. (laughs) Oh God, don't um, admire gay people. It leads to sin. I don't know. That's That's amazing. But there, there were also a lot of progressive Christians that were like, oh, is Andy Stanley affirming now? He's secretly affirming. Yeah. It's like how Obama is a secret Muslim. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it doesn't really count if it's in secret. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Honestly, we, we didn't plan on going there, but the whole like quietly affirming pastor thing is. Uh, There's I, kind say, of no such thing. Yeah. I, I'll say this. I, I think I tweeted about this. I will say this. If you are a pastor. If you're a pastor in a non-affirming denomination and and you uh, listen to this podcast, welcome. Thank you for being here. But if and if you start to like question that, I feel like you've got I'll be generous and say three years to wrestle with that before you just need to make a decision and be open about it one way or another and let the yeah. chips fall where they may. Like, yeah, yep. I'm not affirming. I've questioned it. I'm done. I, you know. Or, mm-hmm. yep, I'm affirming and I neither need to find another place to be a pastor. I just need to leave ministry because I, I people like a- Andy Stanley has done this before where he has said something that was positive to the queer community, but no policies change. No, right. you know, it's like you can tell I'm wrestling in the nuance, but like you're, <laughs> you're, you've done it for 10 years. You're, you're dragging folks along now. And that's just not cool. Yeah, absolutely. I completely completely agree with that and i mean i i get that it is hard and like in those spaces i think that like in evangelical spaces rather a lot of times like personal growth is very looked down upon and like coming to new positions on things is very very looked down upon like they really do want you to kind of like stay put to stay stagnant i would i would argue Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i think that like someone like andy stanley who like materially benefits from a non-affirming at least like QAnon, like conspiracy cult weirdness adjacent congregation like 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 that's what pays his bills so for him to say like oh i'm so proud of you know, all the gay people that show up at this church, even though they're not wanted here. It's like, buddy, like you're not that that to me doesn't actually matter. Like, sure, you can you can be proud of them. And, you know, I would say, yeah, it's actually a really huge deal when somebody chooses to show up in a space where where they're not wanted. Right. And but for him to say as someone in a position of power, like, I'm so proud of you guys. Like, no, you're actually not because you're not making any choices that make things easier for queer people to attend your church. Right. Like you're not taking any of the heat. Like instead, you're you're letting the queer people who want to be who want to be Christians, who want to attend church or be part of like Bible study or ministry or whatever. You're making them take all the heat that you should be taking as the leader. And I think that like this really ties into what we're talking about, what we're going to be talking about. But like, there's just sort of like this flattening of the power dynamic, right? Of 
I'm the leader, but that means that I don't, I'm not going to be held accountable for anything. Right. And then it's like the further back you go, the more you're held accountable for stuff, even stuff that you don't have any control over sometimes thinking of like, of like little kids and emotional regulation and how like in those, in evangelical spaces, like kids are disciplined for not being able to regulate themselves emotionally, even though they don't have, they literally don't have the brain connections necessary to be able to do that. Right. So I think that it's like the people with the most power have the least amount of accountability, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I don't like using that word. I know that that's gross. But like, yeah. So they he, have the least know. to lose. Well, it's I mean, I feel like I mean, I feel like they ostensibly they have a lot to lose, but they're they're so entrenched, like their power is so entrenched that it, it like it couldn't it almost couldn't happen. Right. Yeah. Um, I think of like thinking about Mars Hill, like that seems like a very sort of jarring example, but like, you know, we was, was like, Hey, this, this is like, this church is kind of falling apart at the seams because we've got this person who's in charge. Who's like making all these statements that are not benefiting anyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> except, except, except him. And, but that's like, that's like one of the cases where it's like, you know, even though he, he he like just went like up, walked away, started another church. She's like, I don't have to be responsible for any of the stuff that any of the harm that I caused. I can just get up and leave. Like God's released me from mm-hmm. being accountable for the harm that I've caused. Like really? Yeah. Like that's what God did. So to me, with the Andy mm-hmm. Stanley thing specifically, like sure, I understand what you're saying, and. I know that we want to treat everything like it's in a vacuum, but it's just not right. It's and like not, Andy yeah. Stanley should be the guy taking the hits and providing cover for queer people in his congregation instead of just being like, you guys are so rad. Like, yeah. yes, they know they're rad, right? They don't want people, they don't want to be like the victim of a hate crime by someone in your congregation. <laughs> yeah. And, and at that church, like people have been removed from positions like volunteer positions only because it was came out that they were gay. And, and that's, and that's not applied across the board because as someone reminded me in Instagram comments this week, Hmm. like, well, we know gay people at a North point satellite that served, you know, it's like, well, maybe I didn't really get back. I wasn't going to go back and forth with them on an Instagram Mm -hmm. comment, but I'm like, you might've known they were gay. Did the church know they were gay? Right. Like, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, or it's, it's unevenly applied. It's like, uh, well, right. you know, we may, you may get removed. You may not. And that's, well, yeah. Some people yeah. kind of have cover depending on like their proximity to power. Right. It's yeah. like, okay, if you don't make a big stink about this and like, we'll let you stay. Right. That's, that's a totally normal thing yeah. to do in evangelical spaces. So, and it, it just feels like with Andy Stanley, it's a lot like the, you know, segregationist white politician being like i just admire the spirit of resiliency in the black community or you know someone who's like trying to strengthen you know a white politician trying to strengthen the border and deport Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you know mexicans being like i just admire the spirit of the mexican people and their resiliency and adversity like well you're creating the adversity like right like not not just creating you were materially benefiting from it yeah That that is gross. Yeah, you have the boot on their neck, and you're asking people for money for it. Like, and and then you're like, well, wow, just look how resilient they are. Like that that that's what that feels like to me when Uh Andy Stanley does that. That's what it feels like for sure. So hopefully he'll maybe 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 Andy Stanley one day will take one for the team and actually like take a position that costs him something and instead of just mm-hmm. doing like the high fives like yeah. slapping people on the back sort of yeah like hey good work guys honestly if if his statement in his sermon would have been followed up by like and so we're forming a task group mm-hmm. to figure out how to you know navigate and and serve the queer people that attend so that the, mm-hmm. the, so they don't have to be resilient to be here. That, great. I would clap for that. But right. I, I like, right. sorry, Andy, yeah. I award you no points. You are not brave. That was not bold. And in some ways you used queer people to like put down unfaithful straight people. Like, 
uh-huh. rhetorically i it was tepid praise at best <laughs> and it was like you're it, this is an example to prove my point that straight people aren't faithful enough but i, I don't know uh, thanks andy <laughs> <laughs> yup exactly so any other mm-hmm. thoughts I don't about know. sir andy um, I'm I'm really I I just I was gonna say I hope and pray, but I hope <laughs> that I hope that I hope that Andy Stanley figures out that there's a he could be doing a lot of a lot of good, especially in the community he's in if he were to be like vocally affirming, and I think he should do that. So Andy, since yeah. I know you're listening, just bite the bullet, man. Come on, just do it. Your net worth is like fifty million dollars. You right? Can't... You have nothing to lose. Yeah, you like you will be fine. So that was that was this week in evangelicalism. I'm sure that something else will pop up before this airs that we'll talk about next week. We're going to take a quick break uh, for some capitalism, and then we'll be back with some patron stuff, and then our topic about why the evangelical church is obsessed with not having any divisions ever. <laughs> All right, thanks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with some capitalism. If you want to listen to this episode, any of the episodes without ads, you can do that. You can go to patreon.com slash go home Bible and sign up to become a patron. Literally any amount. The first tier starts at like a dollar an episode. So whatever you feel comfortable with is awesome. And if you do that, you will get access to our discord and our, if you sign up to be well, youth pastor tier or above. If you sign up at the youth pastor tier or above, you will get a life verse from the Lord given to you that you can do whatever you want with because we don't actually know how we feel about the Bible most days until the episode is over. So yeah. I think we have some new patrons this week. Yes, we do. Uh, we have two new patrons, two new deacons in, our, in the second church of the Drunken Bible. So thank you very much to Allison and David for your support. It's, you know, again, we, when we started this podcast, we're like, let's hit record and see what happens. And now we're like 86 episodes later and (laughs) patrons and we're planning an event in April. And so, so thank you very much. Uh, This has been, this has been a fun ride and I'm very, very amused and interested and excited (laughs) to see where this takes us. So yes, thank you. Yes. So we're going to talk, we're going to kind of popcorn around a little bit, a couple of different verses and ideas today. It'll be a little bit different of an episode because uh, I think we're going to talk kind of about community and division and conflict and some things that we were taught about those things. And I, I think to me, this is one of those things that, yeah, you can, you can deconstruct and be like, yeah, God's not real. You can deconstruct and be like the church was harmful, but it's harder to deconstruct the way that you mm. relate to other people and how you view conflict and how you view division and, and how you, and so I, I think this is one of those things. It's like, mm, that, maybe this one's in a little deeper than we thought. And so yeah, it's something Tori and I've been thinking about a lot and I've been trying to process with a therapist and, and also mm-hmm. just with other friends, like how, how do we handle conflict? And it's so for a drinking game, I guess if you just have a moment where it dawns on you that you're like, oh shit, I still believe this. Um, <laughs> go ahead and just wash that revelation away uh, or do a push up or drink some water. It's whatever you want um, for the <laughs> drinking game. Um, so I wanted to start with maybe just one. We'll start in maybe Corinthians. One Corinthians. One Corinthians. Uh, one Corinthians chapter one. And this is Paul talking. And it's, you know, I, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. My translation has inclusive language or semi-inclusive, mostly inclusive language. I think it's just brothers in the original. But anyway, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united and mind and thought this is actually just mm-hmm. kind of, it, it, and I'll I'll just keep reading because it amuses me. But yes, we're, go, we're gonna focus. We're gonna focus on verse ten. But anyway, brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Like <laughs> Chloe's household's a snitch. Uh, 
<laughs> what I mean is one of you says I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas or Peter, still another I follow Christ, you know. And the one that says I follow Christ is probably the super suck up one. Like, I don't follow uh-huh. anybody. I just follow Jesus. And then, you know, Paul, you know, this is what Paul is saying. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Which Theobros, this is evidence that Paul did not think he was Jesus. Um, <laughs> and he does not equal Jesus. Anyway. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And this is one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament or the series of verses. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you are baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Paul. This is, this is, you're rambling, buddy. Papyrus <laughs> like, is expensive, man. Come on, yes. wrap it up. Uh, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Da, 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 da. Anyway, uh, that that's that's the divinely amazing. inspired word. Oh my Paul god! Not remembering who he baptized. <laughs> it's like I, I don't remember. I could have been. I don't remember. I don't remember. We're not talking about it. It may or may not have happened. I doubt it. Deny that I baptized anyone except well, maybe those people and maybe that other person. But that's it. Maybe that's all. Whole, I maybe this whole household. Yes. <laughs> so yeah like it like i mean this was kind of the line and this is the kind of the way evangelical culture i think a lot of church culture even not evangelical culture is set up Mm -hmm. it's like you know we're all in christ and we all agree with one another and there's no divisions and we're perfectly united in mind and thought like resistance is futile and how did that how did that how did that impact your ability to have healthy conflict with people tori um, well, I mean, we didn't we didn't really have healthy conflict in my in my household growing up, you know, and, and I, there's like there's so many layers to that. Right. It was like this is because this is like one of the verses that I actually thought that like when people were when people were preaching, teaching this verse, whatever, I sincerely thought that they believed it and then come to find out I was wrong and they didn't believe any of it. Oh, yeah. It was very jarring. Right. Mm hmm. These verses about like not having division among you and like n- not rejecting other parts of the body. I, I sincerely thought that they believed that stuff. And so I was like, oh, this is like, this is really good. Like, this is, this is great. And come to find out, right? Like evangelicals don't have a framework for doing any kind of conflict resolution, but they, they also don't. And I say that on here all the time. So like, I'm not saying anything new there, but like they're, evangelicals don't have a framework for conflict at all. Right. It's like they have a framework for discipline, have a framework for like authority, but there's no framework for conflict where two people who are mutually respect one another have a disagreement about something and like try to find a win-win solution. And I, I never understood, even as like a little kid, I remember like asking, asking my mom about this because I just, I like legitimately didn't get it. I legitimately didn't get it. I was, I was very confused about like, why would we not try to come up with solutions that like work for everybody instead of like this kind of top down hierarchy within like the church and like the family. And then like more broadly speaking, I guess like the world, government, whatever. And I never got satisfactory answers as a little kid. Mm-hmm. When I when I ask that question, because to me, I think like everybody has to be willing to give a little bit. Like I would say, if you have something that you need, like this is just kind of how I approach it, right? If I have something that I need, like I'm going to go in with like, here's what here's what I want. Here's what I feel like I need. And I'm going to just assume that like there's like, like I don't know, like 20% wiggle room, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like we can come to an agreement on a thing. And, um, so yeah, like we weren't allowed to like, to like talk stuff out, like whenever I wanted to, as a child, whenever I wanted to like have conversations about stuff because there was some sort of a disagreement, it was just like shut down by my parents. They're like, well, fighting is bad. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, but I just want to like talk about stuff, but my parents didn't have answers obviously. So they just shut down the conversation, which I'm sure that was very common for evangelical parents at the time. I'm sure it's very common for evangelical parents now. There are to be no divisions among you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. But for me, that was very 
that was that was just really not good enough. I was like sweeping stuff under the rug is like just not, that just does not work for me as a person. And you know, I'm 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 now <laughs> in therapy like trying to figure this stuff out of like oh yeah, I like I have have needs. I guess I'm allowed to have needs. Like that's fucking weird. Okay. And like I'm allowed to ask people to like meet those needs. That's the hard one. Yikes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, it's like, and it's it's hard because it's like, and this is another way that evangelical evangelicalism is just sort of perfect for like cult spin-offs, is that you have no value, right? Mm-hmm. Like outside of outside of the system. And so if you have no value, you're never going to ask to have your needs met because you don't deserve to have your needs met. Yeah. Right. I, I remember like this would have been college, probably 20s. Like I remember it It was like a funny thing because I would say the same phrase. But now I mean different things. Like I would say, like, I've learned to not need anything. Like, oh, damn. I, and I would say that almost as like a pr- like not pridefully, but just like it's like that's that is a feature of me. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. like I've right. I've figured out how to just not need things or to be very low maintenance, you know, and now like reflecting back, I'm like damn i figured out how to not need anything like that's i basically shut off key aspects of myself but i'm heck now in my you know late 30s early 40s having to like jump start yeah because i killed them like yeah hey can you come back guys i need to have needs and oh man but but it's like and part of that is also like it's not just evangelicalism. It's also like totally. how evangelicalism impacts parenting, how you were raised. Yep. Like it, there's, there's a lot of stuff that went along with that. Like, uh-huh. and, and neurodivergence too. Like a lot of us that were ADHD or autistic or, you know, had some kind of neurodivergence that was potentially masked, like learned how to not go to our families for stuff because right. you know, we weren't, we were going to be misunderstood. So there's a lot more than just evangelicalism there. I just totally. think, I think yeah. that conservative Christianity or high demand religions even will tend to start producing these results more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes. and it's, and honestly, if, if we were to, again, summon Paul from the ether and ask him, what exactly did you mean by this? Probably would be nothing like what we ended up being taught. What a meant. Yeah, that's a good point. I go back and forth on Paul because I think the shittiest stuff from Paul was probably not written by Paul. And mm. some of the like real bangers in the New Testament, like about no slave, no free, that kind of stuff was probably mm-hmm. authentically written by Paul. So not that I can know because, you know, Paul's like 2000 years dead, but. I go back and forth on whether or not he might have actually been okay. And nah, he was just a dick. So I try to make space, contain multitudes. Uh huh. Uh huh. For sure. But you're not allowed to contain multitudes in this system. No. You can contain one thing, and that's Jesus, our narrow, de- defined understanding of Jesus. If you're a white man, of course. If you're a woman, you are under that white man's headship. And I mean, this is why they're primed for fascism, because it's like, that's yeah. the, the the pyramid it, it's not a pyramid scheme like there's no scheme it's, it's just a pyramid <laughs> get in uh-huh. or get out right right absolutely and i i think that within that within that framework of like we're not we're not taught how to resolve conflict we're taught that we don't have needs or that our needs aren't valid and we're not supposed to try to get them met so then you have a bunch of people who are like emotionally stunted (laughs) trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to make sense of the world and i don't think i mean i think that i think that like broader culture or society like also emotionally stunts people Mm -hmm. very severely like i i don't think that anyone's trying to argue that that isn't the case i do think it's pretty acute in evangelical spaces i think especially because there was just sort of like the like sort of anti anti like therapy or like getting help from like outside of the church and um and i think that we see the ways that this this shit plays out and stuff like these pastors of of mega churches telling women who are being like physically assaulted like just just stay and be nicer yeah like right yeah and it's like no like this is but this is and and this is what happens right is that it's just it's like oh we'll just do a better job 
and you'll get treated mm-hmm. better. And it's, yeah. it's, there's never any acknowledgement of like, oh, like your wife is a person who has needs, the least of which is don't hit her, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, that one's pretty basic. Right. Like, normal human. Not asking for a lot. Not, yeah. The bars on the floor and yet a lot well, of religious folks can't seem to clear it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or when they don't clear it, are surprised that it was a value. Mm, like mm-hmm. it is a value to me that you not do that. Like, well, I'm shocked. And so that's, you know, that's, it's interesting. And, and also the solution is always like, just get rid of the division. Like mm-hmm. it would cause, don't address it. It would don't, cause don't, don't drama and it. strife for right. the two of you to separate. So if you're just nicer to him and, and this is, you know, I, I come back to this like idea of, you know, if a man comes in stumbling drunk every night and this might be triggering for folks, some folks just let you know, I'll just even say if I did, I'll just, I'll make it more personal. If I, if I just got raging drunk on Friday night, every single Friday and I came home stumbling drunk and I was angry, I was pissy. I was whatever, you know, maybe even, maybe even abusive in other ways. And my entire family figured out, how to like talk me down. And so there weren't any incidents and just kind of tiptoe around me and, you know, make me happy. And so when I came home, you know, maybe I'd just fall asleep or whatever. Like, Mm. let's say there wasn't an incident for two or three years. Like, is the problem solved? No, the problem is not solved. Other people have figured out how to like keep, keep the system going, but the, the root problem has not been addressed. You know, and I mean, and I I could see, you know, oh, I'm really proud of we've made so much progress, you know, like, no, right. no one's made progress. Like people have right, just figured yeah. out how to deal with your unhealth. So mm-hmm. and, and but I think that honestly, in a lot of these spaces, that's the valid solution. Like, just make him happy, give him more blowjobs, whatever, like and and right. that and that and that will that will make your marriage better. Blow your way to a better marriage. And that's like that's <laughs> like no that's that's that should not that shouldn't be how it works and alicia transvangelical had a wonderful take on this about sex work like christians are like sex work is bad but like but then they'll also say husbands do the dishes for your wife that she'll put out with for you like it's transactional my friend and that's that's how I think a lot of relationships are viewed as this like trans we're part of a hierarchy and there's a transaction involved and that's gross. Absolutely. It really is. And and so like finding I think that the thing for me that's really hard right now is having to like go back and like dig through all of this stuff and like sort of uncover needs that I have. And you know, my like thankfully my therapist has done a really good job of sort of like helping me understand the like my needs don't go away just because I choose to like ignore them just because I choose to like not address them. And then I end up like bleeding all over people because it's like, well, I don't have needs. I'm not going to like, so I'm not even going to think about it. And that's, this is, this is like, this is very frequently where I get stuck with, with therapy, just like being totally honest is I'm like, I'm not even going to think about this thing because it doesn't matter, right? Like, as I think growing up being socialized female in evangelical spaces, like your needs do not fucking matter Mm. ever. Like that is at the end. You're supposed to just like make it work. And if you have, if you have a partner who can like financially provide for you, that's all, that's probably more than you deserve, frankly. And so realizing like, okay, I have to go back and actually look at like, okay, what, what, what do I need? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then yeah. and then asking for and asking for like what you need is is terrifying right because you were raised if you were raised in a space where like that was that was like automatically you were going to be rejected like you were going to be rejected out of hand if you like asked for a need to be met and so like yeah trying to then like work up the courage to like ask for something asking to be like met halfway on an issue or whatever and and in those spaces, you get made fun of, too, for having needs uh-huh. like, right. you know, I mean, they, they mock safe spaces all the time, too. But it's like it's it's more than that as well. It's just like any mm-hmm. time you have a need that you voice it's yeah. it's mocked, it's demeaned. It's, you know, real men don't do that. 
you know, that's or or women should know their place or or, right. or queer people shouldn't exist. Like, so it's like anytime you you voice a need for space, voice a need for this, that, and the mm-hmm. other, it's it's viewed as like a lack of faith, a lack of resilience, mm-hmm. a lack of you know, and that's you know, it's creating division. You know, Christ is sufficient. Like, no, right. no, he's not. Like, <laughs> I'll be I'll be a, a the, I'll be a card carrying Christian and theist again if a dude shows up once. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The I mean, I think that the thing for me that I have realized like being in like being in a relationship at this point kind of like kind of for the first time I think in my life honestly being in a relationship where I'm like honest with I okay so let me back up here because of like because of evangelicalism because of the way that I was raised because the way that evangelicals treat children which is like is non-human entities just like property or whatever I never paid attention to what I needed I very I very vaguely paid attention to what I wanted um and only then when it was something that wasn't like explicitly sinful so that's a whole math so you're just constantly like stuffing this stuff down right and and like asking to be respected as a person is not like that's that's not that's not a burden right Mm -hmm. asking for someone to like respect your pronouns i'm sorry that's not a fucking burden yeah that's you're not asking for too much you're not right you're not taking up too much space like Like that like that stupid this is kind of a funny example that stupid tweet like last week or whenever about that woman that was going on about how in target they had you know different toned band-aids for people Uh of color and she's like it's a band-aid it's not a big deal like if you're if you're offended or sad about the color of a band-aid like there are bigger problems in the world or whatever i'm like that's mm, and here you are being offended and yeah and here you are making a huge stink about it right about about the woke (laughs) agenda behind the band-aids She's like you never saw these before black lives matter like that's fucking well, false but whatever yeah th- that's false but also like it's 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 not caving to agenda for our us as a culture to realize that like huh people have different skin tones other than white perhaps we could make band-aids that match because the bandages ain't peach by because that's yeah, how that the band that wasn't right. that that's wasn't not how the band-aid accident. comes out like right that was a choice Yes, totally. And I think, you know, I think that we are coded in in those spaces to be taught that like really little things are too much, right? That you are inherently a burden. Yeah. By virtue of existing. Mm -hmm. And then there's and then they like try to make it all spiritual, which then pretty much always turns into spiritual abuse of like, you have to like, you have to crucify your desires and wants and needs and whatever, right? Like yeah. you just have to put that all on the cross and walk away from it. And it's like, well, that's just, that's literally just not how nervous systems work. And I think that oh that's gosh. an important thing to note. Yes. Can can you just say that again? Like <laughs> my nervous system needs to hear that one more time. <laughs> like they try to tell you that, that, you have to put all of your needs and wants and desires like on the cross and just like leave that there and walk away. And that's just, it's just not how nervous systems evolved. Like nervous systems did not evolve to like leave all your shit on some tree and just like walk away and not have needs anymore because magic, right? Humans literally fucking evolved to co-regulate. Like that is why it is easier to calm down when you are with another person who cares for you than if you are by yourself. Like that is literally why. And this is and why I mean, it's ADHD people need to body double. Like... Yes, literally, literally, that is why. And you know, I mean, humans are humans are very like social animals. Like we're pack animals. We can't survive on our own, even though we're you know apex predators or whatever the fuck. We aren't actually capable <laughs> of just going out into the wilderness and surviving on our own, right? Like 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 your your risk of death if you just if you are like rejected by your group is probably close to 100 percent. if we're talking about like you know before times like hundred thousand years ago like beginning of beginning of like human humans kind of like walking around doing things making tools 
yeah. right? That we have we have this really, really, really strong need <laughs> for connection, right? To be included and to be valued and it's a survival mechanism and it kind of it kind of sucks now like in like in a fucking pandemic when it's like oh we all have like the internet right and we can all like facetime people we can all be connected to anyone at any literally any time and we're all like kind of lonely Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it's it's just wild but it's because i'm i i my personal opinion is just like this is we didn't evolve this way, right? Like we evolved to be in community and we evolved to like have our people and like not just our fucking parents and like siblings. No offense to evangelicals, like that's just not how it shook out. So yes, like realizing like for me, there was oh god, there was like so much for me at least there was like so much shame involved in like realizing like acknowledging that I had needs. For sure. Which is wild, but I'm like having this, I'm having like these huge shame responses because I like need a thing. And then I like, but, and the the shitty thing for me, right. Is it's like, because of that, I'm like, I'm just going to like stuff this down where this, where this conversation had, where I tried to like pull this conversation back. It was like, when I don't acknowledge my needs, like I can't be honest with myself. And if I can't be honest with myself, I can't be honest with anybody else. So like, Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like you're told you're told don't be honest with yourself, right? That is that's explicitly like what what you are told. Like functionally yeah. when they say don't have wants, don't have needs, don't have desires, your all your desires are crucified with Christ, whatever. What they what they're telling you is lie to yourself. They're telling you to gaslight yourself. They're telling you you don't have you don't have needs or like the needs that you do have you aren't worth enough to have them met. And then because you are constantly having to lie to yourself and tell yourself, I don't, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. Like I'm just okay to kind of like coast through life. Um, You're perpetually lying to yourself. And so then when someone asks you a question about something that you want, you, you can't even be honest, right? And somebody asks you like, Hey, what do you need right now? If you're like if you're raised in these spaces, you can't actually be honest. You can't give an honest response, and so mm-hmm. then there comes then there comes this whole this whole issue of like, okay, am I just gonna like be a liar forever? I mean, when I'm mm-hmm. when I initially like started therapy about a year ago or whatever, that was like that was kind of like the first thing I said was I was like, I don't know how to be honest with myself, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing how much of an impact that has on my ability to be honest with other people how much that hinders my ability to be honest with other people. And like, I kind of need to like, I kind of need to work on that. Yeah, you can absolutely. figure out the other stuff later. Yeah. And that's, and I, obviously I'm white bodied male body. I experience that differently, but I have the same fucking problem. Like that, like how it played out in my life is different, but it's like, I, I still like when it's like, what is it that you want? Uh, I want Christ and me, <laughs> like, Oh no, <laughs> like, you know, like uh-huh. you don't know what to say and, and how division is treated. Like, I'll just kind of turn to this, like as a Colossians. Yeah. Colossians three, this one popped out to me just because it's like, there's a lot of times where it just says, you know, bear with one another, like, and forgive as the Lord forgave you, like, as if like, you know, like Lord, you know, you're and how it plays out is like, you're a miserable worm and God forgave you. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you have to forgive any shit that someone does to you. Yeah. Like, you got to forgive that you have to get over it. You can't like have an, you can't have a grievance against someone and it go unresolved, but like what unresolved when they say resolve, it's like, everyone forgives each other like and this is actually this is played out in my life in the way that i try to parent my kids because i've i've talked with my kids about like you know okay hey you need to apologize like did you and now instead of saying i'm trying to say more instead of asking someone to say Mm -hmm. like do you accept their apology forgive them i say like you know i I do kind of say like you know do you have any more to say about this like or do you, yeah. or do you accept their apology like i would say that but like i'm not gonna pressure my kids to forgive each other because like especially my six-year-old is like i don't i don't forgive uh-huh. her 
She did it on purpose. Right. Yeah. And let that be okay. Like she's six. She's still mad. Like she's not a forgiveness machine. She's a forgive and forget machine. Like that's not how, again, like you said, that's not how nervous systems work. Like she's amped up, ready to punch her sister. Like me sitting in the down, me like, can you forgive each other as Christ forgave you? Like, I don't know. That's, that's not it. Like it's abusive, but it's also like stupid. Like, <laughs> it's just not, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So it's like, I, and honestly in my deconstruction in, in these areas in some ways is not led by my kids in the sense that like I put too much pressure on them, but it's more like y'all are freshly fallen snow here and it's hard for you to forgive each other by me just like telling you to do it. So can I have a, we might need to have a different tactic here and we might need to figure out ways to resolve conflict but not do it in this like evangelical, like yep, gotta forgive kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the thing that as I'm kind of slowly starting to like learn this stuff is what's kind of been coming up for me is it's like I'm actually able to be I'm actually able to be more regulated when mm. I ask for what yeah. I need. You know? Like I can regulate better. I can like I can do more to kind of like meet people where they are as opposed to when I'm not being honest about whatever I happen to be like needing in the moment. And I think that it also like, it also kind of makes me just, I think like a kinder person in general, because once, once I started being honest with myself and like acknowledging that I have needs, I was able to acknowledge like the times and places and spaces where I'm like, not, not as, I'm not as good a person as I had led myself to believe, mm-hmm. you know, that there, like, there are times that I'm like, that I get angry and I like want to get back at someone. And I kind of feel like, I feel like lashing out or, you know, I get embarrassed. I'm like, this is like, this is, this is one of the weirdest things ever. Right. If like, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, like, do you have an ego? Like I would have said no. And now I'm like, oh my God, like I have I ha- like I have like I have a huge ego and I just was like pretending that it didn't exist and that was doing I wasn't doing anybody any favors like myself included right mm-hmm. so like then I have I have to like now dig into all of that right like all of these kind of all these kind of shame responses that I have about having needs because I was told I wasn't allowed to to have any yeah <laughs> like, I'm sorry <laughs> so like then I have to start working through like all of that, all of that stuff. Yeah. Right. And then I have to start working through the the part of that of like, okay, I can have a feeling and not like identify with it. Like I can have a feeling and not make that like a reflection of my value. Right. Yeah. Like I feel rejected right now. Like I can acknowledge that like, that's not a reflection of my value, but that's really hard when you've never dealt with any of your like ego shit, because then you have these like, well, at least for me, I shouldn't project for me. I have these like shame spirals, right. That I go into because it's, you're taught that there's like one way to be a strong person, right. Or like a good Christian and that's to not have needs. And so without addressing your own needs, like there's no way to get to conflict resolution (laughs) because we're all walking around with without needs and passively right. aggressively going after each other, pretending we don't have egos. Like, right. I think one of my favorite lines is from Carlton Pearson. He's like, if you meet someone without any ego, you've not met anyone. Like, mm-hmm. So there may be mush people out there without egos, but most of us have an ego and it's probably bigger than we're willing to admit because that's, because <laughs> that's what the ego does. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm I I I suspect there's probably a small handful of people who like legitimately don't have an ego, but that's because they spent the last 45 years meditating in a cave. Yeah. So I'm probably not ever going to meet No, that's not gonna be where I land for right, sure. Exactly, exactly. I gotta work with what I got and uh-huh. I have an ego. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was, I was thinking about this and kind of like, I was kind of taking notes because it was like, oh, evangelicals and conflict resolution. And like, what the fuck? Like, we don't ever even get to the conflict, never mind to like resolving it. 
because disagreement or division, I'm going to say disagreement. Justin, you can tell me if you think this is right. But I think that when they read those verses and they're like, we're not supposed to have any division. I think that they mean like disagreement. And I think that disagreement is seen as like a larger moral failing than something like sexually abusing kids. Yeah. That's how it's treated. That's the severity with which it's treated is it's like their, their response to disagreement is more serious, more focused, and like all they do is cover it up, right? Which is typically mm-hmm. very frequently what they do with with abuse of children. Also, yeah, is just like cover it up. But yeah, in in my denomination, I definitely would have been fired for abusing a child. I just want to say that. But I was also fired for being LGBTQ. Actually, even asking the question about LGBTQ affirmation. Yeah, most if not all evangelical churches, I would be fired for asking the question about LGBTQIA affirmation. There's a unsettling number of churches where I would not be fired for abusing a child. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, that's a good point. And so making it clear, I would have been fired from my previous church. If anyone out there is listening, they're like, hey, wait a second. We would have let you go. We're not that kind of evangelical. But yeah, but it is when it comes to the severity of the crime, it, there are the most evangelical churches are in agreement that disagreement is bad and that that's the sin in the mm-hmm. camp we got to get rid of that's that's a virus it's a woke mind virus that's going to go through the congregation we have to get that out and that's like but i would say division is more like a like we're taking resources away and we are we are creating a faction and we're like splitting when the church is split too but like division seems a lot more than just like we have a healthy disagreement and we respect each other, but you, uh-huh. but again, you cannot, at least in the current climate, you cannot respect people you disagree with. I mean, just look at, I mean, general politicians, but particularly conservative politicians, like there is no respect for someone who does not agree with you down the line. Like that, that is a person yeah. unworthy of respect. They are trash, yeah. they're garbage, they're stupid. I've had to work on this too. Like I have actually had to work a lot on framing my critiques of conservatism less in those people are stupid. One, because I think that's kind of ableist, but two, like smart people are in cults. It's right. not a lack yeah. of intelligence necessarily. Uh-huh. It's a it's it's different. And so mm-hmm. anyway, it's just kind of a side note. But I also think that that inability to tolerate difference, that is one of those gremlins that has carried itself over, I think, into the deconstruction space that we occupy in some ways. I think it carries over into liberal and leftist spaces where all these former conservatives come in. And it's like, we're not interested in building a building a coalition. You're for us or you're against us. You think so-and-so is garbage or you are not part of the movement. Like I, you don't, it's a, and that I feel like it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, we left conservatism, but I think this intolerance for disagreement or this like all or nothing thinking mm-hmm. of, you know, we get, we, you know, our candidate is the one nominated or we go home. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that carries over for sure into, yeah. into these spaces. And I think that's if you don't that, undo it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we sort of have this. Yeah, we have this tendency to like not see we tend to I don't I don't want to I don't even want to say this. We don't see the nuance because I don't think that that's necessarily it. But I think that we certainly weren't given like the skills necessary to try to find like win-win solutions right and Mm -hmm. i'm very fascinated by the fact and i i think that i think that i'm the place that i'm seeing this at least where i'm seeing it emerge the most is early childhood education like parenting literature like like research there of kind of starting starting with the idea that like children are people and like it's actually a good thing to intervene when kids are like experiencing conflict because we aren't born with skills Mm -hmm. to do conflict resolution like that's something that we have to be taught either explicitly or by observing other people doing that and i'm I'm, so the the place that i'm seeing conflict resolution actually being very broadly sort of accepted and and taught is in like early childhood education and like parenting stuff Mm -hmm. 
which I think, I mean, I think that that's great. Like got to start somewhere, but yeah, I, I think that like this idea that we, you know, what, telling your kids, like figure it out, work it out. It's like, that's really, that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It's like, to me, that's, it's like, okay, we're having, we're having fried rice for dinner. You don't get a bowl. You don't get a spoon. You don't get a fork. You don't get chopsticks. Figure it out. Like, what the fuck? Like that, why are we having this? Like, this is, that doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that like working from the assumption that like people know how to resolve conflicts or that kids like don't, kids, adults, anyone, human beings like don't need some sort of like coaching, I guess, um, in terms of like how to address interpersonal conflict in a way that you're just like, we're looking for a solution that works for for both of us mm-hmm. that works for like everybody involved. One thing that like one thing that I've been really struck by kind of like on that note, and I think this is probably like the the last made the, the last big thought I had on this. But one thing that I was really struck by when we're when we're recording this, like tomorrow's the first day of Black History Month. And I'm just because of like the work that I do, I'm kind of a nerd about <laughs> about black history. And I have noticed, I don't know that I would call it a pattern, but I've noticed that there have been a lot of people kind of over the years, like a lot of really, a lot of the names that come up during Black History Month, you know, specifically thinking of like Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Fannie Lou Hamer, people like that. Like there has been this really, I'm I'm very fascinated by this and I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm still, I'm still at the point of like kind of collecting information, but I'm really fascinated by the fact that all of them at some point in their lives kind of got involved in, chose to join some sort of like community that was, I mean, I guess, I guess what we would call it now would be something like a commune, right? Where it's a bunch of people working together yeah, in a space, like on a farm, whatever, kind of having like these very sort of similar ideals um, and goals and like hopes. And I also have this very kind of like crackpot theory about the reason, like trying to make a commune work under capitalism and how that is really, really difficult. <laughs> yeah. But that aside, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm really fascinated by the fact that there were all these people who like tried to try to do this thing, right. Where they tried to like live in community with other people where they could be in a place where, they where they were safe right essentially yeah where they were safe from like state violence they didn't have to interact with people that they didn't want to interact with whatever the situation is and they could just be like left alone and i i'm really struck by this because like none of none of those worked out and i know that it's not it has nothing to do with like like some of them some of them were like mostly black people some of them were like mixed like white black whoever but like none of these things that were started ever ever ended up like working out like they always sort of like fizzled out over like several years and this is something that i have been thinking spending like a lot of time thinking about is when you are a person who has experienced a lot of trauma like conflict resolution is harder for you mm-hmm. like it just is because your nervous system is just more likely to perceive smaller things as bigger threats and i'm not projecting that onto any of those people who experienced like horrific trauma. I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to make a statement about any of those specific people and like the trauma that they experienced, like obviously they can and did speak for themselves to the extent that they were able. But one thing that I have kind of come to realize is that I think that there, there seems to be this really big, at least for me, it kind of feels like a age cohort generational thing where we're all very trauma informed, but we're not informed on like how to stay in community when conflict exists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not informed on like how to resolve conflict in a way that is healthy and respectful. And so or like, how to restore someone who's fucked yes, up. Exactly. Like, literally was yeah, literally was just gonna say that. Exactly. The only the only tool we have is exclusion, right? Which is like, okay, well that then we're just recreating this like carceral model of yeah. of doing things, which is not how I want things to be done. And so 
and I don't have any answers here. This is just something that I've spent like years thinking about, reading about. Like I have a book on my couch right now that's called Conflict is Not Abuse that I'm reading. I'm trying to like, I'm just trying to learn about like conflict resolution, right? And like, what does it look like to show up and like be accountable and like own your shit? And so that's like, that's kind of where I am right now. And I do, I do, I'm very intentional about like holding space for people who, who have experienced trauma, because I know that like, as someone also in that space, I know that that emotional reaction that you're going to have is going to seem like really inordinate compared to like whatever the sort of instigating issue incident was. And so I do try to be really cognizant of the fact that, that like smaller things feel bigger if you have experienced a lot of trauma and but yeah, so what I, the thing that I really am kind of like struggling with and trying to figure out because I, I do think that there is sort of like this desire, especially maybe, maybe especially among neurodivergent type folks of like, hey, it'd be really cool to like have to be able to build some sort of life in community with people who like actually get me and not have to deal with a lot of a lot of this bullshit. And I totally get that desire i you know i feel that way too but i think that like we really have to do some pretty serious work around like learning skills yeah for conflict resolution which means we have to get to the point even where we can where we can be honest enough to like have conflicts and if you know for those of us who were raised in church a lot of that was kind of coded slash beat out of us so yeah for sure and or as one of those things like well we have conflict well you you just have to leave now mm-hmm. yeah like, that's you know can't have any divisions there's no strife in the body there's you know the body of christ i mean doesn't divide against itself so you know if you've divided against us then i guess you're just not part of the body now yeah and that's it's a whole mess and i think i i, I would be interested in in us as a podcast even doing more deep dives because it's i mean i know we're typically more of a lighthearted podcast, but I think this is one of those things. It's like we're in this space and it's I'm seeing it more and more and more where it's like, we can't have nuance. Even like the thing I said earlier about Andy Stanley, where I'm like in a vacuum, I don't think what he said was bad. Like I, I'm not like patting myself on the back too much, but it's like, I can have a a multi-layered view of what he said and why he said it and and how he said it even and to say like the words themselves were actually quite good and i think you know keep saying words like that andy and you might get it while at the same time being like it might be too little too late and and i think we need a little more of that and i think we need a little more of that like let's take a step back and not be so reactive because tori you very you put it very well where it's like when you're not supposed to experience division, like division feels like an attack and your nervous system has a way outsized response to what it is. And unfortunately, because, you know, we think we're right. In a lot of ways, maybe we are right. We're that we, we turn that into like, well, they're 100% wrong. Just squash it. But that you'll never get into a win-win scenario when you come in saying I'm 100% right. And you're 100% wrong. And just deal that typically is not how good negotiation is done. So any other thoughts, Tori, you said you had kind of the last one, but I think, yeah, I think that was really what I've, what I've been thinking about and kind of sitting with and, you know, I'm, I guess I'm hoping to like learn more about it, but yeah, that's Mm -hmm. where I'm at right now. Yeah. I think, I think we could all do a little better at recognizing that we have needs and that those needs will necessarily create conflict. And when I say, con- even when I, even saying that, it's like, well, maybe I should choose a different word because conflict sounds really big and scary. Like, no, like your right, needs will yeah. create conflict. And that's not a big, scary word. Right. It's normal. It's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Like for humans to disagree and to conflict and to have, and to come with, I have 10 needs and you have 10 needs. Can we figure out a way mm-hmm. to meet most of them? And can we figure out a way to be okay if we don't have them all met, but at least we get to voice them. At least we, you right. know, at least yeah. we get to say them out loud. 
without judgment. I think it's going to be a long road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's an important conversation to have. So thank you for, for having it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you liked this conversation and want to hear more about this, you know, tweet us or, you know, send us a message on, message on Instagram um, at go home Bible. And again, the Patreon is patreon.com at go home Bible. And um, that gets you access to the discord and discord folks. You know, again, if this is like an episode that you're like, Hey, I like this and we'll continue the discussion uh, through the week. So thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time.